Welcome to Fright Night. She just goes a little mad sometimes. Wolfman's got Mars. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We have such sights to show you. Hey everybody! What's up? And welcome back to another episode with the Jersey Ghouls. Today we are going all the way over to Finland. Yeah, that was my. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Is that I, bad? Said, I don't I think know. That was bad. I don't know. We'll, we'll run with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, to uh, explore a, a kind of indie flick. Uh, this is a Shutter exclusive movie called Lake Bottom. My bottom. No, well, Bodom. Bodom. Bod. Bottom. 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 I believe it is pronounced, it looks like Bodom, B-O-D-O-M. I believe it is Lake Bottom. Yep. Like, so, I want to touch your bottom. Yeah, so if you don't have Shudder, I would argue it's totally worth the money. I personally really enjoy watching movies on Shudder. Absolutely. I get to see things that I would never, you know, it's not on Netflix, it's not on Amazon. They have curated lists that, I mean, this is this is for our people, this is for our tribe. Oh, totally. And I feel like I like obscure crap I can't find anywhere else. Like, I'm into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, if you don't have Shutter, it's definitely worth a look or a trial. Or use Jersey... Use the code Jersey Ghouls and nothing will happen. Yeah. Because zero sponsorship <laughs> and zero uh, links. Yeah. And, but to be fair, at least you know it's legit. Like, we're not making any yeah. sort of royalty off of this. Yeah. This is truly coming from our hearts. Yeah. And not our bank accounts. That's right. Call me Shutter. The, yeah, but if, if Shudder wants to sponsor us, that's... I mean, I'm, yeah, no, yeah. please. We love your stuff. Please, please sponsor us. Yeah. So what, <laughs> what... So I think one of the things that makes this movie kind of even cooler is the fact that it is based on a true story, and it is based on a true story from a very famous unsolved murder that happened in Finland in 1960. Do we want to get into the, the true part first, and then we'll hop into the movie? Yeah, let's dive into, like... <clears throat> Building the groundwork here. All right. So, it, like, as Marissa said, it's Finland. It's June. It's 1960. And it's, it's cold. Wait, is it cold in Finland in June? I get that confused. Is it sunny in Finland? Am I thinking of Iceland and... Finland? I think you're thinking of, like, Frozen. I think you're thinking of Norway and Frozen. You're right. You're right. Um, All my knowledge of all those countries comes from my Epcot experiences, so I don't <laughs> disagree. All I know about Norway is they used to have trolls, but now they have women who sing Let It Go. Okay, that's Norway. This is Finland. Though. Oh, we're in Finland. We're in Finland. Are we close to Norway? Let me think about Geography's it. Geography's never Let me been look by. on on my memory. I call my memory Google. Yeah, you so have a good memory. I do. I'm going to look on my memory. Let me let me think aloud. <laughs> Where is Finland in relation know. to it's Norway? It's in Europe, right? So when I was a kid, though, while, while you're um, thinking in your memory and not Googling... When I was a kid, my family used to play Stump Marissa with geography, and they would ask me, like, basic questions, like, where is New Jersey on a map? And I would point to China, and there was no shame in my game. <laughs> like, I, and literally, if my family's listening, they will remember that one of the ways they used to use to amuse themselves, besides having me tell the story of how the dinosaurs were killed, because I used to call it the crustacean period. As you remember from college, you guys would often mock me for that as well. So they would have me tell the story of the dinosaurs, or they would have me point places out on a map. So needless to say, this is still a struggle in my life. For the record, I could point out New Jersey, but only because we do this podcast. No, just kidding. So while we try to figure out where the heck Finland is, let's tell the story of the You are right that it's in Europe. Yay! It is in Europe. It is 
separated from Norway by Sweden. Oh, so so basically it's like pretty much interchangeable with those other two countries. <laughs> Is that racist? I think it's it's Nordist. You're a Nordist. <laughs> all right. I apologize to all our Finnish listeners. Um, so let's talk about the murder itself. So in 1960, four kids go camping, right? Four teenagers go camping. As they are apt to do in Finland in June. Yes. So it must have been nice out. I'm sure it was. Yeah. If they're in Europe, they have pretty similar... Yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Continue. <laughs> it's also 7.03 p.m. there. I just did the math in my head. Okay. I'm so full of shit right now. Yeah, I'm like, no, not. it's not. <laughs> it's 7.03 a.m., baby. No, there's seven... Oh, fuck off! What do you know? They're seven hours ahead of us. Did you use your mind map for that one, too? Yeah, well, I... I just, I know, because I was, I've been to Europe a Yeah, but London times. and Norway aren't on the same time frame. I think they are. I think they're close enough in Europe. Let's see. Let's see. What time is, is it, it in, in Finland? Finland. If it's 7.03 a.m. No, it is 12.22 a.m. Okay, now look at what time it is in London. Like, just like how if you go to, like, Colorado, it's different. It's... Okay. All right. I'm sorry. 10, 20. 10, 20. 10, 20. 10, 20. 10, 20. 10, 20. Okay, okay. So I was fair right. Enough. Okay. Fair so enough. So fair enough. But Thank you. But it's still not 7.03. <laughs> it is not 7.03. First of all. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I love you. First of all, <laughs> you're, you're right. cute today. So <laughs> there you go. Oh, boy. Um, Now that you know that I've learned all the things I need to know about geography from Carbon San Diego and from Epcot. Right. P.S. If you need to go spelunking in Finland, I can tell you exactly where to do that. And with a warrant. <laughs> and double travel. <laughs> but other than that, I don't know anything about geography. So that's what we learned today. That's a big takeaway is that I'm really dumb with geography. All right. Back to the murder mystery at hand. Let's, let's, go, to, let's go back to Finland. So yeah. So uh, four teenagers go to Lake Bottom for a little camping trip. And by 6 a.m., three of them are brutally murdered, and one of them has a pretty severe head and face injury. Trauma with a blunt object, and then I believe there was some, like, orbital bone broken. Like, he had broken bones like, so in he his got, face. He got wrecked. He got... Right, this isn't like he had a little scratch. From, toe up from the floor. Oh, is that your scientific... That is... That is you so are... Medically speaking... <laughs> He got you are up. taking us through this. I am taking a very Ben Kissel approach to this episode. So, <laughs> oh, in, I get to be the Marcus Parks. Yeah, songs. you are totally Marcus Parks. Um, because I did not do any of my research for this episode. So you, you've been busy. I have. have I've been busy. been busy just being miserable about being busy. Which I don't know if anybody out there is like me, but it is a full time job. Being cranky <laughs> about how busy you are is most consuming. So go ahead and keep, okay. keep throwing so, knowledge at me. So the one survivor was 18-year-old Niels Gustafsson, um, who again- uh, I believe it's Gustafsson. No, it's not. Gustafsson. Gustafsson? Gustafsson. Gustafsson? Gustafsson. Okay. Chris Christopherson. <laughs> yes! <laughs> there it is. There it is. So Niels, so he suffers a head injury, and when he is interviewed by the police, um, upon everybody being found- he has a very fuzzy memory. Obviously, he got hit in the head. There are no clear details. He doesn't remember anything. He's, no, he, I believe, has some, he has some recollection of what happened, but because of his head injury, both he and the authorities don't know if it was real or not. You know what I mean? Like, if it was just he's misremembering because he got bashed in the head, or if he's actually remembering seeing a man with blonde hair walk away from the tent. And so, presumably, he's asleep, 
Like, he probably tried to score and struck out, right? Right. So, Chris Christopherson goes to bed. Right. And Neil Neil Christopherson goes to bed. And now you're telling me he doesn't remember anything about the murders. Three people get murdered. Right. I call bullshit on this kid. Well, here's the thing, though. Remember, he suffered head trauma. Okay, but Rocky suffers head trauma. He still knows Adrian. (laughs) That was my Rocky impersonation. You didn't like it? Anyway, back to Neil. So, yeah. He has, you know, a very fuzzy memory of what's going mm-hmm. on. Were um, they smoking the marijuana, Jackie? I don't know. Was there drugs involved? There may have been. What is the know. drug rate in Finland? What's the drug of choice in Finland? Finnish know. listeners, call in. Let me know. So the murders happen. It is an unsolved mystery to this day. Now, over the years, there have been suspects and there have been people that have come forward to confess. Yeah. Um, and one of the people that confessed was a guy named... Olaf the Snowman. Or, or, Vladimir Glystrom? Glil? Gly, Gly, we'll say Glystrom. You're fucking making up every one of these pronunciations, you motherfucker. How do you pronounce G- Let me read. G-Y-L-L. Glystrom. Glystrom. <laughs> Oh, Gyllenhaal. That's one of the Gyllenhaals. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. One of the Gyllenhaals. The other Gyllenhaal. So Vladimir, Vladimir I like first Vlad. name, he not only confessed to the murders, mm-hmm. he had prior arrest for aggressive behavior. Aggressive behavior? That was the official charge against him? That's what it's like. Was he like yelling at the clouds? Or I don't know. I, is that a real charge in Finland? I don't know. That's what oh. the research said. Alrighty. Finland, and you're delightful. But he had an alibi for the night of the murder. Which was? The wife said that they were together, so he couldn't have done it. Now, Vladimir dies in 1969 by drowning in the very same lake, Lake Bottom. But on his wife's deathbed, she had said that she had lied about his whereabouts that night. Was he blonde? Um, it was Finland. Of course he was, am I right? <laughs> uh, he he had threatened her and said if he told anybody about his absence that yeah. night, that he would kill her. So how did he drown in Lake Bottom? Like, was he just visiting, or did, was he there because he was like, "I'm going to kill more people"? I don't know. Damn, this is shady crap. Know. So Continue. skip ahead mm-hmm. to the year 2004. This is a big leap. And Niels, the survivor of the Lake Bottom murders, is is now charged with the murder on grounds that there was some like DNA profiling and new analysis of the blood patterns and also the victim that got it the worst was his girlfriend at the time Mm. so they were going with some sort of like jealous lover Mm. angle with the murders um you know there was like some hard-boiled detective who was now like 90 and he was sitting there smoking a cigar and he was like see we got new dna so let's get that kid in here for some more and they're like sir he's no longer a kid he's 60 <laughs> no get him in here i'm gonna charge him for this crime like you know i mean hey cool if they had new dna but you know there was that one crotchety detective that was super obsessed he was like, the, like, it was, a, oh my god, what if it was his rookie case that oh he went god. out on in 1960? Oh my god, we should have written this movie. We should have written this movie. <laughs> anyway, skip to the end. It's 2005. Uh, they go to trial, and Niels is acquitted. He, he is found, you know, it's not guilty. He, he walks away a free man. There is not enough evidence to convict. So And you must acquit if the evidence... Doesn't Does fit. fit. That's right. Right. That's yeah. what I learned in 2004. Was that 2004? I totally could make that up. I feel like that was in the 90s. That was super in the 90s. <laughs> Not super in the 90s. It was like 1999. No, it. I don't think it was 1999. I want to say like 95. Oh, uh, let me go to the old memory. You were right. 1995. You, <laughs> you swarmy bitch. <laughs> 
<laughs> well done. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. I might not know where Finland is in relation <laughs> to Norway. Why do I know my OJ history? I know my OJ trivia. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, as we stand here in 2019, this is an unsolved murder. Now, part of what makes this so crazy is that Finland has such a low crime rate. Yeah. And it is truly really rare for them to have such a violent case, let alone an unsolved violent case. So this thing has become like the thing of all lore and obsession and kids daring themselves to go to the lake and it's become such a huge thing there. It's like absolute like equivalent of like, I'm trying to think of like a place where kids go today to scare themselves. The Pine Barrens? At least here in Jersey. Yeah, yeah, like, it's the, like, it's the Finnish version of, like, the Jersey Ghoul, or, like, even, like, Bloody Mary and stuff like that. It's become so big to these kids that they will go to this place and and investigate. And that's kind of where they got the idea for this movie from. Yeah, if we want to segue now right into the movie, uh, this movie is taking the lore, well, not the lore, the, the truth of the crime that happened in 1960 and is piggybacking off of that to the plot of this movie. So we have Ate. I, I went Ate in my Ate, head, but... yeah. So Elias and Ate are two young Ate, guys. Yeah. Um, two weird, a weird combo. They are a weird combo. Those two kids in real life are not hanging out. It doesn't look like Cause it. Because Ate is like a, a, like a, a gothy, creepy, weird, dorky kid who probably played lots of Doom and Duke Nuke about his computer. At home. Right, right. Right. And Elias, Elias? Elias? Elias is definitely, like, the, the like, loser of the jock squad. But still relatively normal. Yeah. They wouldn't have hung out in real life. They didn't look like it. They, I mean, you got Elias is, like, all tatted up. Right, and yeah. They just don't seem like a combo. And, and I think yeah. it's even said at one, I think even Ate says it in the movie at one point that, like, they really aren't friends. But... There's somehow this connection between them, and they want to go out. Yeah, it's called getting in girls' pants. That's well, that's the well for one of them, yes. Yeah. Um, but Ate is obsessed with the real lake bo- bottom murders. Right. Yeah, he's got like crime scene photos, and that's the thing. So he's weird to the next level too. He's a little bit weird. Yeah. He so they the two guys ask two girls, Ida and Nora. To come out overnight. And, of course, they have to, like, lie to them to get them to come out. Like, oh, there's this cabin. We'll go out right. there. A bunch Other of people, people are, are going. Right. When in reality, and we don't, as the audience, know this really what's going on as well. But they get out there and they end up going to the exact same camping site where the real-life murders happened. And it turns out that Ate wants to basically do, like, a reconstruction of the evening because he has a theory that the killer is still out there. And he almost wants to, like, draw the killer out. He literally th- does things like bring bathing suits that match the bathing suits from the crime scene photos. So this kid is a pretty giant big creeper. And another thing you leave out, you left out that I think is worth mentioning is that Ida, right? So there's photos of Ida that are allegedly floating around that everyone in the school has seen. Even her own father knows of this and basically calls her, like, a slut. And they, she, like, kind of is, like shamed in her school because everybody has allegedly seen these photos of her having been passed out at a party. Somebody took pictures of her unclothed. Yeah. And they don't know who it is. And so these, I think she goes along with this because she's just happy to have somebody who's willing to hang out with her is the sense I get. 
Right. She and she's also, you know, the they say that it was six months ago that the, this alleged, you know, photo <laughs> started to spread around. So she's been home for six months. She's been even like afraid to leave her house. The only place she has ever been at all, it seems like, is her friend Nora's house. Right. And Nora at first seems like a very good like friend, like they seem like they have each other's best interests at heart, and you're you're deeply uncomfortable about these boys because they they you can tell they're trying to trick these girls. Like he even at one point gives them weed and is like, "Don't let them, you know, you don't smoke too much because we got a lot of business to do." Like these guys are kind of creeping. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as is apt to happen in a slasher, people start dying. I'm I'm gonna throw this out here at this point. If you haven't seen this movie and want to see this movie, you should probably turn us off. Yeah, I'm gonna call spoiler alert at mm. this point because we're about to jump into some pretty interesting plot points. So yeah, here's your spoiler alert. If you want to see the movie, don't go any further. Uh, go watch the movie and then come back to join us now. Yeah, because basically the boys get killed off, and we discover that it is the girls, more specifically Nora. Who has killed them both. Yeah. Um, when you think the boys have tricked the girls to come out to the lake, uh, in essence, it's kind of the other way around. That they played them. The girls played the boys because Nora has convinced Ida that it had to have been Elias who's taken the pictures. Because we learned that Ida has a crush on Elias. And Nora tells her, look, it was him. He drugged you at the party, he took your clothes off, he took the pictures of you, you know, now everybody has seen them, and you know what, you know, it's, it's Ida that it finally says, she comes to a breaking point, and she's like, I want them dead, and Nora's like, okay, boo, I'll do it, let's do it, let's make this happen, and they make their plan, and they set out to kill both Ate and Elias. Yeah, and, and Nora play, like is such a perfect sociopath because you <laughs> like her up until the moment where you're like, oh shit, this girl just killed two people. And and she has so clearly gaslit Ida through so much of this. And she has basically talked this girl into committing murder with her. And she very much does it because she's she has a very strong obsession with Ida. And we we soon come to find out that not only did she orchestrate the all of the murders... But she orchestrated the pictures. There were no pictures. There were no pictures. It turns out that Nora is in love with Ida. Mm-hmm. Nora did not like that Ida was all, you know, googly-eyed over Elias. So she said, the only way to make you my girl again is to get him out of the picture. And, you know, make you need me. And what better way for you to need me, your best friend, is to have this tragic thing happen. So... Nora actually is the one that drugged her at the party, but she basically just like leaves her in a bedroom to sleep. And then the next day in school tells everybody that naked pictures were floating around, you know, and of course the way, you know, you know how much high school sucks and the way that rumors fly and, you know, oh yeah, the, of course there are pictures. I and saw them. And everybody's seen oh, them, yeah. right? Oh yeah, I, I saw them. I, I, I love that part. I really do. I love the part where it's it like the rumor that it literally is, has no reality to it just becomes her life and her reality. Right. And it's so much so that it permeates even her own family. And I think it's such a good statement on current, what kids deal with today, because I can't even imagine the shit they go through. And I can't even imagine having social media and the connectivity that these kids have, where if a photo really was real, 
nobody would think twice about being like, oh, yeah, I saw it. And it would spread all over and it would so be exactly like it is in the movie. And I totally buy the idea that even without a photo actually existing, the story, the the percept, like, the bullshit becomes the truth. It's such a great theme for the world we live in today where whatever somebody says becomes the fucking truth. And it's terrifying, especially because we didn't go through that in high school. We were lucky enough to be before phones and all the social media and all the crazy stuff and all the norms like dick pics and sexting and all that stuff. And oh boy, am I glad I dodged all those bullets. One thing I do want to mention is that before the boys were killed... On separate occasions that night, both of the boys tried to talk to Ida to tell her that they had never seen a picture and they don't think the pictures are real. I think Ate tries to tell her but gets interrupted. Elias, I think, flat out says, it's a lie. There were no pictures. Like, if there was a naked picture of you floating around, wouldn't you at some point have seen it? If everybody else has seen it. Wouldn't you at some point have seen it? And she's just like, you're lying. Like, like Nora said yeah. it, yeah. So they they tried to tell her the truth. Now, this is a really awesome part of the movie because all of this discovery is going on on the drive back from the campsite. So Nora and Ida are driving back from the campsite, back home. Yeah, and their re- relationship just completely deteriorates in the and midst of all that. Ida is like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. Like, you know... I'm telling everybody everything, like, this is, this is going too far. So Ida is hit in the face with the wrench that Nora had under the seat. She's now dazed and kind of, like, looking off. And Nora, as she's speeding home, almost hits this guy in the street. This guy is just standing there. So she turns, you know, they end up getting out of the way, but they fly off the road. The guy, turns out, has a tow truck, and he's like, I'll pull you guys out. So Nora is very suspicious of this guy. And this is my favorite part because she's like, Ida, where's your knife? And she's like, what knife? And she's like, the knife you killed Ate with. And she's like, I didn't kill Ate, you killed him. And Nora's like, I didn't kill him. So now we realize that neither one of those girls killed Ate. So presumably the lake bottom murderer killed him. And... Now is the point where the truck is pulling the girl's car out and it pulls it out successfully and then he guns it and now they are on this like terrifying Yeah, they're they're being towed like towed. In a, like a high speed, yeah, in a high speed esque way. Yes. Um and they crash and then Yeah, so you realize that, you know, whoever it's presumed that whoever was the murderer in the original Lake Bottom murders now has them. So the car like flips, it's like super crazy. Nora gets out and tries to run away, and then the guy sets his dog after her. Mm-hmm. So then he ends up capturing both girls, brings them back to the site of the original murder, dressed in the bikinis mm-hmm. that the original girls were, and shoves them all in a tent, presumably to kill them. Yeah, and the bodies of uh Elias and Ate are in the tent. Which I found to be a really interesting choice because they had like very like so the girls had basically thrown the the bodies in in the lake yeah. to hide them yeah and so he had gone in there and drug out those bodies mm-hmm. in all of the interim of all this so I found it very all very interesting and I have to admit I've loved so if we could just dive right in here I loved the the feminist suggestive undertones of the fact that the girls were in charge the whole time and they didn't even know it. Like, yeah. I, I, I was, ro- I have to admit, I was a little skeptical when it was lined up to be just another slasher in the woods, but when it turned out to be the girls, I was like, all right, I am into this. And I th- was very 
strangely emotionally invested in the the entire scene in the car where Ida is slowly starting to see Nora for who she is. She's slowly starting to realize she's been manipulated, but there's somehow a very strong pathos to Nora because she's in love, and she, even though she's a scary psychopath, psychopath bitch, I found myself still kind of cheering for her. Uh, you know, like, in a strange, weird way that we often do around here with people who are killers. But, like, this idea of, like, being in love with your best friend, being a female, having that, like, er, you know, like, it was all very emotionally touching to me and very feminist and well done. Um, with a psycho, with a sociopath, of course. But, um, when they got the toe, so the scene where their car is being dragged at a high speed, I thought was freaking awesome. Considering that this was arguably probably a pretty low budget film, considering what they had to work with, it was a damn cool scene. And when the car finally does flip over, like, I, I felt that. Like, I yeah. thought it was really good. And Ida gets winds up getting, like, trapped in the car. And I loved the scene with the dog, surprisingly, because I feel like so often in films, they do the dog thing, and then you see the dog attack, and you're like, well, I hated that. The way this was filmed, and the way that it was edited, was cool, because you heard her, you heard the dog, you heard the screams, that's it, and it worked. Like, I yeah. really liked a lot of the choices this film made. But, now that I've gotten out the part I like, I will say that when it twisted back to the lake bottom killer... I was like, meh. Yeah. Eh. I like, no, I like that it? part. Yeah. I did. Right. I did. I like that it brought it full circle. I like that he went into the lake and, because like you said, the girls sunk the bodies. Yeah, that was creepy. I like that he brought them back up. He put them in the tent and, fig, you know, you don't see it, but presumably he lays them out probably in the same way that the originals were laid out. Now, in this one, Ida does become our survivor. Ida mm -hmm. is our final girl. And though she is bloody and beaten but and psychologically only he broken, chooses not to kill her, right? You know, like well, he makes that choice. Presumably, it's the same choice that was made in the original murders because they chose whoever killed the other three originally. You know, Niels was left. You know, for whatever reason, or whether it was he, choice right, or whatever, or just happenstance. Or, so yeah. yeah, so the movie ends with Ida basically like waking up a bloody mess in front of her house. But yeah, and then physically, you know, physically and emotionally and mentally, completely broken. But alive. But alive. And then there's, like, a hint of, if you listen to the record, like, in the background, that's basically saying that, like, people think she did it. You know, yeah. which is ironic, because she kind of did for one of them. So I like the element of having the girls not be innocent. I almost, so this is where I started falling down a rabbit hole with the, like, I felt like Ate, because I was like, wait a minute, this makes a lot of sense because maybe the original killer, the, the, the what's his name? Va, uh, Niels? No, oh, no, the, Vladimir. Vlad, maybe Vladimir did kill people, but maybe Niels did too. Like, maybe this film gets it right. Like, maybe that's how it all went down somehow. Maybe Niels was aggressive, and then there also happened to be another killer, and then my head, like, exploded from all my theories. I felt like I was, like, sit like sitting in a subreddit at three in the morning while watching this movie, because I fell down the rabbit hole of thinking, how perfect would it be? Because at the end of the day, Ida was guilty of a murder. I mean, not exactly, but by extension. Yeah, I mean, she was, they showed a montage of them, you know, learning how to murder yeah. and making plans, and if nothing and else, she, I mean, this is just premeditated. To oh, totally. Like, in a court, she'd be guilty of murder, so I was like, maybe Niels was a murderer? 
But Vladimir was too. Like I loved that. Right. Um. So you're right. I guess I could live with the twist. This movie was far from perfect. I think it had moments that were slow, but overall, I really enjoyed it, and I especially enjoyed it because it gave me this opportunity to find out about this whole big unsolved case in another country that I would never have been privy to and was kind of interesting. Theme-wise, I loved a couple of things. And you know me, I'm all about some substance. I yes. need a little meat on my bone. On my movie bones. Um, <laughs> I First of all, I loved the power of our obsession with unsolved crime and our obsession with serial killers. Um, in my law classes, my serial killer unit is literally like the marquee unit. Everybody talks about it. Everybody loves it. And I always feel so nervous about, am I, like, sensationalizing this? Am I doing real-life horror as entertainment? Like, I always have such mixed feelings, and I'm actually teaching that unit right now, so it's like, it really does mess with my head. And watching this movie, I think that theme was very much played out in a really important way, where they were like, here's this kid who is literally obsessed with these these murders. In a creepy, weird way. And all these other kids who are so willing to go along with this crap because we're all secretly obsessed with that stuff. Well, you know what? I was just going to say, I feel like in this day and age, like that creepy, weird kid that likes serial killers isn't creepy and weird for that anymore. Nope. I mean, look, the current Netflix sensation is the Ted Bundy tapes. Well, it's funny because I literally mentioned Bundy and got like a round of applause from a room full of teenagers. Yeah. Because... They all watched the Bundy tape. Like, here I am, nervous that I'm, like, being too graphic or telling... And they're all... Literally, I was probably the only one in the room who hadn't watched the entire series yet. And and I keep up on that stuff just because I teach it. And yeah, I've always been one of those people, I will admit, who has a strange obsession with true crime. But I also have, like... I've always taken it from a... I like to understand how they work because I used to want to be a criminal profiler. Ever since I gave up that career dream, I don't, like love serial crime stuff anymore. I'll watch it. It's entertaining. It's interesting. I have to teach it, so I have to know it. But it's strange to me. I think we really, I think this film plays very well to this idea that we are kind of obsessed with creating our own reality, which ties perfectly also into the theme about her picture. Because it is very much the rumor and fake picture that destroys Ida in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. She is broken long before the killer breaks her. And she is broken because, A, she's a victim of of Nora's horrifically controlling and fucked up friendship and love. B, she's got a father who's a fucking dickhead about it. And C, she's a victim of a society that is totally okay with lying and fucking false information and bullshit. And it breaks my heart because it's so real and so important today. I see kids all the time get broken by shit like that. And it sucks. And it takes so long for them to get over that crap. And so I really like her as a final girl because I feel like she finally does kind of... A, she learns the truth. And B, she kind of... I don't know. I hate... See, I don't know. Because I hate to say she has any sort of character arc because she doesn't really. It's my gripe. Maybe I don't like her as a final girl. I don't know. I mean, she has her moment when she's with Nora in the car where she's like, you know what? When we get back, I'm telling the, you know, we're calling the police. I'm telling them everything. Like, no more secrets. Like, this is this was wrong. Like, she has her hero moment, if we can even call that, in that one brief moment. But 
I don't even know if I'd give that a hero moment so much yeah. as she just kind of fucking sees sees reality for the first time. Or it could just be a reaction to Nora because she has no other way to hurt Nora other than telling the truth. Right. And if Nora can turn around and hurt her that way, the only other thing she can do is be like, well, fine, I'm turning us both in. Like, I'll take the fall yeah. too, but you're going down as well. So yeah, maybe it was kind of self-serving because she had no other weapon against Nora. Yeah. And again, I, I like I said, I found myself strangely attracted to Nora as a character because even though she was a manipulative bitch, there was a softness to the, oh, she, she was just in love with her. So we, I know we usually do two films, but we thought since we were dealing with a true crime in addition to the film that we would stick to just one this time. Good, not great would be my final take on this one. I would call it good enough where I would want to say, hey, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it takes a couple, like I said, if you don't know what it's, where it's going, it was a fun ride. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although, like I said, I thought the red herrings, I don't know, like you said, I feel like people were like, oh, I saw it coming a mile away. I didn't. Yeah, I absolutely <laughs> didn't. Um, and if I would have seen the original twist where the girls were the killer and not the guy, I wouldn't, I don't know that I would have caught the plot twist within the plot twist where there actually was the Lake Bottom murderer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I think I could have done without the Lake Bottom murder, but I like that it tied so well back into the original crime. Yeah. And really put forth this really interesting theory. I also found it really interesting that they changed the gender of the survivor. Yeah. I, I, I That's an interesting choice that I thought long and hard about. I was like, why would they have done that? And I, I can't put my finger on it. Like, I don't, I don't know. But I, I liked it. It was, like I said, good, not great. But for an independent film, for a lower release level film, they did a great job with the cinematography, with the special effects, with everything. I think it was a really well-made film for how much money they probably had. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah. So that's Lake Bottom. Yeah, that is Lake Bottom Thanks again. taking a trip across the pond with us. <laughs> it's a Shudder exclusive, so if you've got Shudder, we recommend you check it out. And if you don't have Shudder but love horror movies, what the fuck is wrong with you? Go get Shudder. It's not expensive. And it is a all-horror streaming service. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag please sponsor us. <laughs> that's right so thanks for tuning in and make sure you check us out on all social media platforms and you can make sure to check out our website jerseyghouls.com where you can find all of our musings and podcasts and all that good stuff and oh as always please feel free to give us a like give us a good rating send a comment our way if you're finished and you're offended by me which you probably will be yell at me i'll feel better i, f I already feel guilty about fucking up things like the location of Finland. So please feel free to absolutely reach out to us. We love to hear from our fans. And don't forget that coming up soon, we will be at Monster Mania in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, where we will be joined by the wonderful, wonderful human beings of Horror Movie Night and Fright School and um, a self-plug here, the brand new podcast, Mise on Scream, um, with which I actually host, uh, co-host with my, my girl Katie. And uh, yeah, come say hi to us if you're local. We would love to get to know everybody and hang out. Yeah, that'll be March 8th, 9th, and 10th. Monster Mania in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Oh, bye-bye. Oh,
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 